Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. We are talking about, our plan is to talk about risks this morning. What risks are you willing to take? We did a show similar to this a couple of years ago now and thought that it would be a good one to revisit from a very different perspective in terms of the interest rate environment, inflationary environment, and actually the markets. Yeah, Uh, some of these risks have actually popped up in the last few years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice. I guess when we talked about it a couple of years ago, it was more theoretical. There wasn't any like recent, very recent events. But yeah, now it's like more real, right, for people. And we have some great examples of these risks in the recent past. So yeah, I'm excited to revisit it. And I think it'll be an interesting topic. So I thought we would start with inflation risk. I feel like we beat inflation to death quite a bit in what, 2022? Yeah. A lot of our conversations stemmed from inflation or inflation came up in one way or another. And then we kind of got sick of talking about inflation. And and so we haven't talked about it in a while, so might as well get back into it. But it's also been less and less of a popular topic in the media as inflation yeah. has trended down here recently. And the inflation readings the last few have been obviously significantly better than they were in the recent past. And it's not down. We're not quite to the two percent range where you know the Federal Reserve and frankly most people would prefer that we are, but we are closer. So it's been less of a popular topic. But it's always yeah. it's always a longer term risk, and we see that all the time. When we run long-term retirement plans. Uh, and so we're, I don't think we're going to beat it to death here today, but we do want to make sure that it's something that everyone's still concerned about because even a, a relatively moderate level of inflation is an issue if you compound it over a long enough period of time. Yeah. I pulled some historical data just because I love looking at numbers and I think it's sure. interesting. The Fed's target inflation annualized is what, two and a half percent? They're hoping. 2%. Yep. To keep two. inflation about two and a half percent per year. Two percent. Sorry, it's two, it's oh, two percent. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Thank you. Two yeah. percent. So the idea is that we want a little bit of inflation in our world. It's healthy for the economy. It encourages consumers to buy things in right away because the they will likely cost more the next year or the year after. So it's good for a healthy economy to have some inflation, but the Fed right. wants it on the low side. Sorry, thank you for that correction. They their target is two percent per year. Yeah, I think it's, you don't want deflation because then people just wait to buy things, but you also don't, you know, I think essentially they don't come out and say this, but I think the idea behind a low 2% inflation rate is it's something that people aren't thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. At, at three or 4%, it's the kind of thing that you do notice, whereas at 2%, it's less noticeable and it's just not something that's on the mind of the consumer all the time. And, yeah. and that's better for the psychology of it. So I don't think there's any magic to it other than 
that's just a it's a pretty modest rate where most people don't notice it all that much but it's not we don't have deflation either which is then you have people well i'm not going to buy this refrigerator right now because next month it's going to be even less it'll be on sale for less it's pretty much it again obviously we're not back there yet as of right now but we are trending closer to it yeah so i just went back a few years so we've had we had really low inflation coming out of the credit crisis. So if I go back to 2008, inflation was almost, oh, hold on, I'm looking at the wrong column. If I go back to 2009, looks like we had actually a little bit of deflation, 2010, like coming out a few years after the credit crisis and the great, yeah, the credit crisis, the great recession, I guess we're calling it, right? Um, Then inflation was really low. Like in most of those years, 20 2009 through 2016 we had inflation of less than two percent per year in the range of one percent so we were in even in 2018 it was less than two and a half percent so we've had we've been spoiled by really low inflation for a long time but we really the last statistics i've seen is that really long-term average inflation 50 60 70 80 years up until a couple years ago average inflation was like closer to two and a half or 3% per year over a lot of decades. But that's what I had noticed up until recently. So with inflation coming out of the credit crisis in the range of a percent and a half, 2% per year, that's a lot lower than very long-term averages. So I think we were, consumers were spoiled by that for a long time, like a decade. Um, And then of course we had really high inflation starting, it was like, I don't remember the month, but mid to end of 2021, we started to have inflation creep up. So 2021 annualized inflation over that year was 4.7%, something in that range. I think we started to see inflation rise like early in that year, like the summer of 2021, I want to say. Yeah, summer 2021 is when it looked. It looks like in May the annual reading popped up over four percent. So May 2021 yeah. is when it really started to rise, and then it continued. So the average for the year 2021 would would have been something relatively modest, but it really trended from yeah. basically zero in in COVID. In COVID, it was it went down to zero. And then it was pretty much a straight shot up for the month over month readings up until when did we peak here? Yeah, eight. Yeah, mm-hmm. June twenty. Uh, June twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So twenty twenty two inflation was really high. I want to. And there's different readings for inflation, but it was in the range of eight or nine percent for that calendar year. I don't know what statistics you're looking at, but in, it was in the single digits, but the very high single digits for yep. inflation last year, and then was high toward the beginning of this year, but now has come down. And the most recent year over year reading actually i think was about three percent am i remembering that correctly that it was it has come down to not quite the fed's target but very close yes Um, i have 2.97 as the most recent and just to be clear so the you know in, in any given month all of the all of the data points that go into the that go into the calculation of inflation they're all bouncing around right obviously we have food and energy which are taken out of the core inflation but the price of energy does cycle down and so individual data points can be fairly volatile. So just because we hit sub three now doesn't mean we're going to stay there. And we certainly could see it, see it ratchet back up. But yeah, so we're certainly trending in the right direction. If you look at the, yeah, if you look at the, at the chart of it, it just looks like a, a really like a very steep mountain on the way up and yeah. then pretty much the same on the, on the way down after having yeah. peaked. 
in mid-2022. Okay, so I think the historical perspective is significant. So when we talk about inflation risk, I guess yeah. there's a couple things to talk about. One being the how inflation is how your return of on your assets or the growth of your assets is if affected by inflation and how return there's a difference between a rate of return on your portfolio a gross rate of return and a real return, which is after inflation. Talk about the risk to your money and purchasing power of your money. And then also, we, I guess, just quite simply, the, the risk, we could relate it to your income as well and how far your income goes. And But I guess in our context, really wanted to talk about the impact on your money and your invested securities. Yeah. So I, I did, so I want to put, uh, compare inflation with, I guess when we talk about inflation risk, we're talking about how if your money is invested and I guess well, let's define real return and then I want to compare it to cash in the bank and CDs because I think that's an interesting conversation right now and this is going to tie into in the interest rate environment. So right. when Yeah, when just because there's so there's there's a real return, right? That's one end of inflation risk. In other words, my investments are earning 5%, but if my inflation is earning also earning 5%, I know we're going to talk more in detail about that now, right. then you're not really, you're not, you're not gaining anything, right? You don't have any actual rate of return. There's also the inflation risk on the, on the retirement side with regard to your expenses. And so I think we should just be clear as to what there's the risk of your, of you not making any real money. And then there's also the risk of your expenses compounding year over year and you needing more and more right. money from whatever source of assets that you have. And I know that they're related, certainly, but I just wanted to be clear that there's a couple of different areas that that inflation is going to impact you as you go through life, right? There's one that's on your expenses and actually how much you need to shell it every month. And then there's the, am I really earning anything on my money? What's my purchasing power of my of the capital that I'm saving for the future doing yeah. In real terms, right? That's exactly what I was trying to say. And you said it way more eloquently than I did. So thank you for that. And I'll continue with my coffee so that <laughs> I, can, I can be just as eloquent as you. Um, but I guess let's start with defining a real return. So when anyone sees, you don't really see it on your monthly statements, but if your advisor or if you see somewhere rate of return on your investment account, that's... So how much did your investment account hopefully grow? Sometimes it shrinks, but hopefully grow in a period of time, right? So if you're seeing my 401k was up 8% for last calendar year, for example, probably not last year, 2022, but just for example, yep, in a given yeah. year, it's up 8%. If inflation averaged 3% in that same year, then your real return net after inflation, what we would call real return would be 5% in that example. So the goal for, I guess I would say most in or all investors, I guess probably all investors, if we're going to use that term, would be to at least keep up with inflation, if not beat inflation and have real growth of money. So I often, when I'm talking to clients, set that context of what's really the goal here. We talk about target rates of return and just to give people perspective and what to expect, but really, yep. when we talk about what's really our goal here as an investor, it would really be to not lose purchasing power of your money, me of your assets, meaning at least earn enough to keep up with inflation, which translation, you're not losing purchasing power on your money. But and for some, or I guess I would say most, right, investors 
want to see actual growth of their money beyond inflation, meaning we really want it to be, uh, we really want to increase the purchasing power and have it be really worth more than what inflation takes away. So I think it's helpful to give people that perspective and really define, number one, what is a real return and how inflation is an incredibly important variable when you're an investor. And that changes over time and has changed quite a bit in the last couple of years. But really to set the perspective of what is the goal of an investor. And I think this was an interesting, I don't know what converse, you probably had similar conversations. Think a few years ago, for example, when inflation was really low and interest rates were low and conservative investment strategies were like maybe low to mid single digit returns and maybe lower than what people were expecting. And those were interesting conversations. And I think the perspective was really helpful in those years to be like, hey, your conservative portfolio, maybe the return was on the low side of what we thought the range was. Like, let's say a conservative portfolio earned like 4% in a given year or 3.5% or something like that. In And maybe they're kind of like, oh, that's so boring. I, I thought it was going to be more. I want more. But yeah. it's. I think the perspective in those years was really helpful to be like, yeah, maybe your return was 3.5 or 4, only quote 3.5 or 4%. But if inflation was like, a percent and a half in that year, then you actually had real growth of your investment beyond inflation. And so I think that perspective really is helpful. So that's no different. If you earn three and a half percent in a conservative investment strategy and inflation is only a percent and a half, you had real growth of 2%, which is the same as earning 5% and inflation in an average year is 3%. So it's you're in the same place. And I think that perspective is really helpful. Um, and I think that, so that conversation is very different right now. And it's almost like, it's, it's like almost reverse, right? So now we have a period of time where, well, I guess we could talk about what markets have done over different periods of time, but it's also interesting now that we have really, we have had maybe not last month, but very high inflation, And so if someone is earning like, you know, in their maybe moderate portfolio, maybe last in a given 12 month period, maybe they earn 6%. But if inflation, and that sounds pretty good, right? Oh, I earned 6 or 7%. But if inflation is 8%, (laughs) you actually didn't do that in that period of time. You would have been better off earning 3.5% when inflation was a percent and a half. So the conversation is, it's, it's just so, that's why I wanted to cover this topic today because I just think the con- the conversations are so interesting and so different now than they were a couple of years ago. Yeah, it, it, just to point out a few things. They're over long periods of time, right? The assumption is there, there should be a long-term similarity is not the word, right? But there should be there's a long-term relationship between different assets and real rates of return. If you think about if you think about someone who's investing in a CD or a bond or a stock, there is an there, there's an embedded assumption in the, you know, in what my real return is going to be. Maybe people don't always think of it in those terms, right? But if you're going into a bank and you're putting your money in a savings account over a long period of time, the expectation is probably somewhere around, like you're not going to earn anything over and above inflation, right? So if yeah. inflation is 2% and your, your savings account is earning you whatever it is, two and a half percent, somewhere in the, the one or 2% range, you're effectively not keeping up with inflation. When inflation goes up, you know, interest rates tend to go up 
Yeah. And then the bank probably has to start paying you more, which is what happened, which is what's happened yeah. recently. Obviously, if we're yeah. back three, four years ago, banks are paying nothing. Inflation is very low. Now we're in a situation where we do have some inflation and banks have started to enforce to react to that by raising it. So there, there's a long term yeah. kind of relationship between the various assets. And so you should hopefully your portfolio over long periods of time can can deliver you a real rate of return. But again, there will be certainly be years like 2022 is a great example where yeah. you were way backwards with your with your real return. There was no if you lose 20% on your investments and inflation is up 8%, you're significantly backwards as far as a real return goes. But over longer periods of time, the expectation is I'm going to own my stock market portfolio if there's inflation, to, to one degree or the other, my the companies that I'm working with are going to be able to keep up with inflation, right? Because they're going to raise prices. Oh, they have to pay their employees more. They're just going to raise prices on their products more. And that's going to continue. You know, they're at least able to continue some level of profitability and real return. At least that's what the expectation is. Yeah. And this is an interesting period of time for investors in terms of like how they're what they're thinking and how their mind is working. So if we think about calendar 2022 returns for even conservatively tilting up, up and up to aggressive portfolios, we're almost all double digits, right? In in terms of the downturn, right? 12 to 20 percent probably downward fluctuation last year for many people, right? And so investors not all investors like know what their rate of return is because most, I don't know, most are all uh, financial like statements that you get in the mail don't have a rate of return. But, but most people know that they fluctuated downward last year. They just don't really know how much in terms of a percentage. But anyway, when we report to our clients, we would and advisors in general would report that. So it was interesting that last year portfolios were down, fluctuated down for the calendar year quite a bit. Having said that, most of them are, are back up quite a bit. But you know, to be an investor and to see that and then to look at, well, I was down like 15 or 20 percent last year and now I could put my money in a CD and earn 5 percent where yep. and then and then they're sitting with an advisor and we're saying in your moderate portfolio, long long term target return is five to seven percent. And I don't blame people for asking, why wouldn't I just put my CD, my money in yeah. a CD right now because I can earn five percent and it's guaranteed. And so right. I, these are very interesting conversations right now. And we we're, have to take a break here in a couple minutes. So we could probably talk for the next 30 minutes about <laughs> addressing that question. And maybe we should. Yeah. But I guess the first thing I would say is that I, I don't blame people for asking those questions and thinking that way. That's just normal way of thinking. Um, yeah. But again, the per the perspective will be very helpful for people in this regard. And we'll make sure to touch on this a lot after the break. I guess the first thing I would say is that, and we can, we'll go, th actually I have on my outline some historical information about market downturns, but often, yeah. oftentimes, or would I say all the time or oftentimes, I guess we don't know what's going to happen with the recovery not guaranteed from this down market, but right. we normally see periods of like overachievement in the market after a period of underachievement. So we would, we often have a bad when we have a bear market or down market a, a steep decline we the the time it takes for the markets to recover is is different sometimes it's a short period of time sometimes it takes a few years but we often have like very overachieving returns in the stock markets after those declines so people are looking at cd rates right now and thinking 
this is great, especially because of what happened last year. But what we what will probably happen, not guaranteed, is that we'll have even better significantly returns in the stock markets, at least by a year or two from now. We can't guarantee that, but that's my guess about what will happen. So anyway, we need to touch on that a little bit more, but we have to take a quick break. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like we yeah, were just return expectations are higher after a downturn. Yeah. And we, are we up against a break right now? We probably are. Huh? Yeah. So let hold that thought and we can start. We can start the next segment with that. But you're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. We're talking about risks, inflation risk, interest rate risk, market risk. And we're talking about all that stuff this morning. And we're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. When it comes to securing your financial future, trust matters. That's why McNamara Financial, a family-owned company, is here for you. As a family-owned company, we understand the importance of your financial well-being. That's why our team of expert financial advisors is committed to your success. At McNamara Financial, we take your trust seriously. That's why all our financial advisors are fiduciaries and certified financial planners, putting your best interests first. With our team of dedicated professionals, you can rest assured that you're receiving top-notch expertise tailored to your unique goals. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Trust McNamara Financial, where family values meet financial expertise. Visit our website or call us to schedule a consultation today. McNamara Financial, securing your financial future one step at a time. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara, this morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is our last two-hour show on after, after, I think, I want to say 31 years. No, or is it 26 years? I can't remember what year Dad first aired on WATD, but this show has been two hours since the mid-90s. At some I guess point. so. Yeah. And, uh, All I remember uh, is the old McNamara on money on cable access. Was it classic <laughs> cable access? Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. <laughs> it was like, oh, oh my God, I do remember that. Co- like Continental that. Cable Vision. Continental Cable Vision. I'm pretty sure that's what it was in the studio over in Situate. It's like and our own to, nerdy Wayne's world. Yeah. We used to go and we, <laughs> Justin and I and Adam, our brother, used to be the cameraman. That's right. Well, that did his show. And that was like on weeknights. We never put that on our resumes either. We should have. <laughs> oh my God. That's such a blast from the past. Yep. I remember that. Dad used to do the show in the dark studio and we would be the cameraman and probably yeah. up night when mom had something to do or it was fun. It was fun. The night off and dad had to take the kids to work. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah, you think we, yeah, I guess we probably were there not voluntarily. I'm going to, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't remember it being terrible, but I, I, yeah. I can't imagine you're like, yeah, let's do, let's go be yeah. cameraman. Maybe we were paid. We were probably paid. I don't know. Uh, I just want to, before we get in, for the investment nerds out there, we did shorthand the definition of a real return. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Do you think Um, we have a lot of investment nerds that are listening to the show? Probably. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. But just in case, real return is not just your nominal return minus inflation, right? So 5% return minus 3% inflation. That's not the actual math. It's close enough to the math, but that is not technically the formula using you. All right, let's have it. Let's have the technical. It's just one. It's one. Plus, it's one plus your nominal rate of return over one plus your inflation rate minus one. So that's it. So it's fairly close, right? So if you did 1.05 divided by 1.03, 
you get you get a real return of 1.94%. Oh, I see. It's not, I don't doubt anyone caught that, but it's very much for radio purposes. You can just do your real return is actual nominal return minus inflation. Uh, But if you're, if you're really into, if you're really into math, you can find the formula online. It's easy enough. Okay. Nobody but you caught that. Thanks for that correction. I just, I'm worried that someone out there is listening. I don't want to get any angry emails. Hey. Yeah, we can't have any one discrediting us. Got it. We can, yeah, we don't want any comments on our, on our, on our socials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before the break, we were just getting rolling with, I think a very important and timely question slash concern that I've had from a lot of clients. And I'm assuming you have as well yep. uh, about, and this is all very much ties into the discussion of inflation risk and interest rate risk and market risk. We said maybe we're jumping to the end here by addressing. Yeah, this is, I would say this is tangential to it, but it certainly stems from the changes in interest. So we're in a new, we're in a a new kind of regime here and it's certainly worth questioning. Okay. Everything's different now. Why might we, might it be appropriate to change strategy based on what has happened recently with interest rates? So it's, I I think we can certainly take a break to have the conversation, even though it's not technically an inflation risk specific discussion. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just popped into my mind. And sometimes we save all the good stuff to the very end and then we run out of time. So I was like, maybe we should just throw the meat of the conversation right here in the middle. So Probably, yeah, I would say it's pro- one of the one of the most common questions that we get now. So I think yeah. we should do that, certainly. All right. So I, I guess I'll do you want to start or I'll start and you had some ideas, but yeah, I think it's a relatively it's a relatively I'll give the short version first. You had set it up. It's a common question now. And right. Let's just say we have a client. Let's say they're a, let's say they're a moderate risk type of a client. And so the expectations that are set by either the advisor, whether it's us or the, the market in general would be. Oh, this is a kind of a middle of the road strategy and we're not expecting to earn stock market like returns. Maybe somewhere you're in the somewhere in like the five or 6% rate of return range, right? So that's maybe a fairly common discussion that you might have with someone. And obviously we don't know what markets are going to give us because we don't know the future, but we can take a look at what's happened in the past and use that as a, you know, to set a range of expectations. Let's put it that way. And the fact we do have to put numbers in when we're running a long-term retirement plan, you have to put numbers in it, right? So we can't just say, oh, press like the magic button that says, give me a, give me a rate of return. We actually need to put numbers into software and say, all right, my expectation is you're going to get this type of return with this type of volatility. So we're actually throwing numbers at clients fairly regularly and if you're being conservative, maybe you're saying to the client, oh, you might earn a 5% rate of return. Here we are, fast forward from a couple of years ago, and the client is looking at CD rates, and they're 5%, and they might turn to their advisor and say, hey, we're just shooting for a 5% rate of return in our portfolio yeah. here. Why wouldn't we just go grab this CD for a year? Right. We can look in our 5%. It's just as much as you had told me to hope for. and. Right. Guaranteed. So that's yeah. a discussion that we have on a regular basis. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that we always, we discuss it. We don't always push back on it particularly hard. Maybe it depends on what, what the assets are for and what kind of, what the expectations are of when the client will use the money, but it's not quite as simple as that. Did I set that up all right? Yeah. You, yeah. You set that up just fine. And I, again, I feel like I could talk about this for 30 minutes, but I think the first thing to, the, it's a two hour show. So. Let's All right, cool. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> 90 minutes left. Plenty of time. So 
as as an investor, and most of our clients know this, but that investment is a marathon, not a sprint. But when you're an investor and we are talking about average returns, sometimes it takes years to hit average returns. If we're targeting a 5% return, we can have quite any given year could be a very different return than that up or down, right? Sometimes we have great years. Sometimes we have awful years and everything in between. Sometimes we have average years. So investors in particular, our clients that we do a fair amount of, I guess, training and educating, they know that, but people can't help but think in the shorter term and they can't help but be emotional in the shorter term, especially clients on the older side that are like looking toward retirement in the near future or people that are already retired and feel like their time horizon is shorter. So people can't help but think that way and ask those questions. So the first thing is that target uh, rates of return are really meant to be averages over what we, what us investment professionals say is a long time. (laughs) And (laughs) and even that is, right? Subjective. Don't walk us in on what a long time is though, right? Yeah. (laughs) But but full market cycles. So like peak to trough, right? And and back are like, eight to 10 to 12 years, right? It it can really, sometimes it can take that long to hit average returns. And so like we were discussing before the break, it's very common for the stock markets to have really great years following a really bad year or two. And actually vice versa, right? It's not uncommon for us to have some great years like we did in 20 and 21 and then have an awful year. That's not it's not uncommon historically. We never know the timing of these things. But but my sense is that we wouldn't be out of the realm of reality for us to have, a, we've are, we're already having a great 2023. It's not over yet, but we're already having some great stock market returns this calendar year. So it's not uncommon for that to happen following a down year. So the S&P was down, I'm not looking at it right now, last year, what, 20%, 18 or 20% for calendar 2022. And this year is back up something like 18, 15 to 18% or something like that, right? And yep. so it hasn't quite recovered, but it's it's back up. So just like stopping right there, if someone's, I'm going to put my money in a CD and get 5% for 12 months. Yes, it's guaranteed and it feels good and fuzzy and warm, but we've already had through seven-ish months of the year, I guess it depends on the portfolio, of course, but even a moderate portfolio could be upwards of eight, nine, 10% just through half the year. And a CD through six months is up two and a half percent. So it's right and the year's not over and we don't know what's going to happen and all that. And when we don't always, we tend to talk in calendar years just because that's where like most of our data is from. But someone buying a 12 month CD now, we're, we're not talking about calendar years. So we could examine this over so many different time periods. But I think that perspective helps number one and number two. Go ahead. Did you have a if, if I could just jump in there, I mean, yeah. it's not something that that most people would do on a regular basis. But if you're, if that's something that you have thought about, if that's a discussion that you've had, you could just look up. And I, I literally just googled sixty forty annual returns, and you can come up with a chart. And I think the surprising thing, right? So even if you talk with an advisor or you look back at the historical projections on rates of return of, say, a balanced portfolio, or, and I'm sure you can do this for literally any portfolio, the stock market rate of return is one, and then a sixty forty is a common portfolio, right? Yeah. Where they put in sixty percent in the S and P in the S and P five hundred and forty percent in the aggregate bond index. 
if you if you look at those, you would be surprised at how few of those returns are actually in the range of a long term average. Interesting. Stock market volatility is right. It's not. We say, oh, Mister Mister Client, oh, like the stock market. Maybe you're going to earn seven or eight or nine percent or whatever the number is. But if you look at how infrequently you actually get a return that's in that range, it's very rare. Even and even if you look at sixty forty, right? I'm just looking at it since whatever this is since 1950, right? So we're talking about almost 75 years. I'd say that fully half of the returns or something close to that are in excess of 10 percent per year, right? There are certainly there are a bunch of negative returns. But if there are very few that end up in that, that four, five, six, seven range, because yeah. that's just not how the markets work. And you also can look into if you go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'll pick a down year. And I actually don't know that they have, do they have the scale years? 1974, terrible year for 6040. It was down 70%. I'm sorry, 17%. Um, okay. the next year it was up 28, right? So if you just, if you go pick out a negative year, yeah. Look at the following year. Look at the following. It doesn't yeah. always work, right? We had 2001, yeah. two, 2001, right. two, three. Those were three negative years in a row, but 2000 and yes, 2022 was down 16 so far year, even just year to date, you're up 13, you know, or else we got, you know, in the mid eighties, there was a negative year. It was followed by a 26, right? There are lots and lots of examples. 1995 looks like it was flat. 96 was up 30. And so it's uh, that expectation that you're just going to you missed a year and then you're going to go back to your five percent every year is not what's going to happen. Probably the odds are against it and the odds of of a big year go up significantly following a lousy year. Yeah. So chances are guaranteed. guaranteed. But people very well may miss a good opportunity in the markets, number one, but also a good opportunity to recover, a better opportunity to recover from last year's downturn. Right. If the dollars were invested and you need a great bull market year or two or three to recover probably from the temporary downturn from last year. So you, you, being invested in your portfolio and having a chance at that greater upside is a better opportunity to recover from last year. The other thing is, and what I what's going to happen is, and again, we don't exactly know when, but think about someone who either recently put some money in, let's say they they forget about my investment strategy, I'm going to put my money in CDs and, and they're going to take that 5%. So yep. what's going to happen is that let's say they do a 12-month CD. So that CD is going to mature in the next six to 12 months, right? Depending on wh- when they did it. And it it's not hard to imagine that uh, interest rates will come down at some point in the future we don't know when but the fed has been pretty open about we would like they would like to lower interest rates from here they don't want interest rates to be this high so likely interest rates will come down in the future and the fed will start lowering interest rates when the economic data supports their ability to do that and right. it likely means that if there's good economic data and like things are hunky-dory then the markets are probably going to have been doing just fine so mark the stock markets will be higher likely yep. than they are now if the fed is comfortable lower lowering interest rates so when this money comes out of cds at whatever point in time in the future then they're then they have this money available and then they might be comfortable getting back into the markets but the markets will be higher most likely at right. that time so they're buying in 
and not, and their money won't be going as far when they get back invested. So it's, I, I, it's that's probably what's going to happen. So it like feels good and good right yeah. now to have that guaranteed five percent in a CD, and certainly for emergency reserves and stuff like that, short term goals like that's all great. That there's some yield now in in cash in the bank, but I, it's not for most people not a replacement for their investment strategy, especially if they're a long term investor. Not hard to imagine that would that's how it would unfold, right? That markets would be higher when these CDs mature and interest rates go back down and CDs are back to paying 2% or something like right. that. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, full disclosure, I've had this conversation more. It's more with money the clients have to invest more recently, right? We didn't have, yeah. hopefully, if you were a longer term investor, you didn't, you didn't lose 15% bail out of the market and then jump into a 5% CD because obviously it's going to take, it's, if you just do a simple math, it's going to take you three years to recover to do that. But the, oh, I have some money to invest. I, it's a little bit more of a, of a, yeah, there's a little bit more gray area to that particular yeah. conversation. And certainly it's more understandable. So I just wanted to point that out. That's the context in which I've been having the the conversation more often than not. Yeah. But I think markets being priced higher in the future is still pertinent yeah. to part of the conversation. Right. <laughs> yes. But that's, go ahead. You, yeah, but to your point, if you are right, if you lock yourself up for a, for a, in a CD, yes, you can get rid of it and sell it, but most people would, most people don't. And if you're, if you stash your money for two or three years, there's a very good chance that you're going to a miss some appreciation because you have a higher return potential, generally speaking, after a downturn. And then you, you miss some appreciation. And then by then, maybe the Fed has started to ease off because they don't want to they don't want to cripple the economy with high interest rates for too long if inflation is back under control and we still have and we still have we don't have an unemployment issue. So yeah. definitely a risk to tie it up and just say, oh, I'm going to take my five percent per year and everything will be great. Yeah. I wanted to come back to like in inflation as a risk and maybe just tie that up with a little bow yeah. and we can. Sure to interest rate risk. I guess I just wanted to like, I don't know, in my perfect little outline, we have different risks and then who can take the risk and who shouldn't take the risk and <laughs> what's the yeah. reward. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to touch on all that, but oh, I don't know if this, I thought maybe this was helpful. We were talking about historical average inflation and I went and I, I pulled some charts on that. And then I went and I looked at historical average CD rates and how okay. those, you know, I thought that would be interesting. Hold on, let me get up my charts here. For example, average inflation. Again, there's different measures of it. Let's just pick a year, like in the late, I don't know, 2015 through 2020, inflation averaged in most of those years, something in the range of 2%, right? One and a half to two and a half percent. I know you have a chart up as well. Are you looking at? Did you, what CD rate are you looking, for, looking at? I was just, that was just inflation rate. I was just okay. a few year period of time. And yeah. then I found, hold on, of course, when I prepare for the show, I always have 15 tabs open so I can reference everything and then it takes <laughs> a minute to find it. But okay. Here's, oh no, that's the mortgage one. Hold on. Historic. Okay. Here's CD rates from 2010 to 2020. Let's just pick. So something like, so 2015 to 2020-ish, like that roughly five year period of time. Yeah. Inflation averaged like a percent and a half to two and a half percent. So we already talked about pretty low inflation prior to 2021. Okay. Uh, one year CDs between 2015 and 2020. Hold on. The one year CD is the green line from what I'm looking at. 
averaged about three tenths of a percent in that period of time. Okay. Okay. Easily a percent, if not more, under inflation. So that th- those were great years for us to illustrate that cash in the bank, CDs, money markets, those types of instruments. Yeah. Uh, we've said for years, but it's really easy. The prior decade was really easy for us to illustrate that you yeah. never grow your wealth, right? In cash in the bank. I just made a really weird noise. <laughs> Maybe that didn't come <laughs> no, I don't think you can Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so easily, easy to illustrate that you're not going to grow your money and have real return because even yeah. see at that period of time was less than inflation. So that's easily illustrated. More difficult to illustrate now where CDs are, and actually right now we have CDs. I think this will be a pretty short period of time, but right now we have CDs paying what, four and a half, five percent 5%. And yeah. now we've actually had inflation, right? Year over year, the last few months, like actually coming down um, below that. So it's flipped. I think that will be a temporary period of time. Certainly banks aren't going to want to pay you more, right? Than they can earn, but yeah, but l- harder for us to illustrate that now. So I just, I thought that perspective is helpful, but for most period of time, we can go and we can look at what an inflation average and then, and CDs generally like they trend along the same curve, right? And just hover just below the inflation line historically. Yeah, yeah, there should be a, right, there, yeah, there's going to be a relationship there, certainly, and I think that's probably going to be a long-term relationship. If if things if things work how, they have, how they've always worked, or at least for as long as we've been around anyway. Yeah. All right, so just like risk-reward regarding inflation risk, and I've had some conversations recently about this, and who can, I think there are some people that can, aff- when we talk about risk, really, we want to talk about who can, what risks are you willing to take, right? What and what's the trade-off, right? I don't think anybody really thinks about, well, maybe recently I've thought about inflation risk in terms of purchasing power and how far their money goes in terms of, you you mentioned that earlier in the show and how it eats away at earned income. And fortunately, we've had growth of wages and stuff like that for many people or across yeah. the board. But And so hopefully that's not as, as much of a concern. Hopefully wages keep up with that. But yeah, real wages is a, yeah, it's another, that's probably outside the scope of this, yeah. of our show here. We can't, not much we can do about that one. But I think when it comes to your money, and I think there are, when we talk about inflation risk and the way that you, what I mean by saying who can afford to take that risk, right? Yeah. I think if you, we talked about earlier in the show how in most investors, their goal would be to at least keep up with or beat inflation. And there yeah. might be some, but you have to take some investment risk to do, i.e. likely have some stocks in your portfolio that historically have proven to have growth beyond inflation and provide real growth of yeah. investment assets, right? So that's how you battle inflation is you have some stocks in your portfolio or some stock investments, diversified stock investments in your portfolio so that you can hopefully have some growth to at least keep up with or beat inflation. But in order to battle inflation, you have to take some investment risk, at least in right. our opinion, my opinion. And I'll just, let me, if I could just say inflation as a risk, it's, we're saying it as, it's not voluntary, right? So on, right. on the spending yeah. side or on the expense side, right. you know, you are subject to inflation risk. And just to throw a couple of numbers on it, right? I mean, I, obviously we have some software and we go in and we're making long-term projections all the time. And I'm just going to give, if I use a 3% inflation rate, right? And I let's just say I'm a, I am have a client who has $60,000 in expenses right now. Their annual expenses are 5 
five grand a month. If if we just project that forward for 30 years, expenses are going to jump from, let's see, from 60,000. And at the end of the 30th year, they're up at 141,000. This is a risk that you to, to which you are subject. And it really is. Yeah. This is what's this is what the risk is, Mr. and Mrs. John Q. Public, right? And the question is, how are you going to address it, right? And one of the reasons that you know that we and a lot of folks recommend saving early, saving often, and saving in an appropriate investment portfolio is because you're going to be subject to this risk and you're going to have to do something about it, right? Whether that's just, yeah. you can go buy your CDs and you can keep up with inflation, but you're going to have to save an awful lot of money because that even at 3% a year, that is going to just compound over a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's something that you're going to you're going to have to address it one way or the other. And, and so I just want to make sure that we're clear on what you have to fight it out there. And I think from our right. point of view, we often see when we're running our retirement plan projections, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, right? We have a, we have a client who retires and their, their net worth graph starts to trend up over time, right? Early in retirement, we say, Oh, you don't want to take out too much early in retirement because you want to make sure your money lasts for a long period of time. Yeah. And so you're going to take out whatever three or 4% per year. And over time, a lot of times that net wealth accumulation will top off toward the end of retirement retirement and even start to go down. And the reason is because once those inf- once those expenses begin to yeah. compound on each other for 10, 15, 20, 25, even 30 years in retirement, it's hard to keep up with even if your portfolio is invested in some stock market investment. So it's the yeah. kind of thing that you just want to want to keep an eye on because even at right, even at 3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, if you compound it over long periods of time, you're going to end up with much, much higher expenses down the road and you have to figure out how you're going to address them. Yeah. And perfect. And I think what I meant, what I was trying to get at was like, I think there are some people that can afford to take the inflation risk, i.e. not have their money invested. I think they're a rare breed though. I think there's right. lots of people that can afford to take that risk because- There's people with a lot of money. Is that what you're right? Either a lot of money <laughs> yeah. or that- or or, they, or their expenses are more modest. and Very modest, yeah. They're very modest. Yep, thank you. And their expenses are less than their fixed sources of income. And I guess there's some inflation risk on that when it comes to fixed income too. But I, I it's rare, but I, there are some people where I've had conversations that you're really not relying on your assets and you might not for a long time. And maybe you can afford to take that risk and afford to not take the investment risk. But that's what I meant by that. Again, you said it more eloquently. You're on today. We got to take a break though. We got to come right back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. We are talking about risks. What risks are you willing to take? And we'll just be right back. 